Right, hello everyone. Episode four of Natal with Niall. Uh, as usual, the general disclaimer is that this podcast will have a few and introspective topics with possible adult themes. Plus, me and my potty mouth means I'll probably be a bit swearing as well. So if you're not a fan, please don't carry on listening. But I mean, it is your, episode, your fourth episode in, so I mean, you must be enjoying it if you're still listening. Anyway, without further ado, I'd like to introduce my guest for today's episode, who is Miss Bonnie Bolt. Bonnie, how you doing, man? <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's such an honour. <laughs> um, how's your day been? How are you, how are you feeling? Well... To be honest with you, I've had a hell of a day. I will be honest. It's been I've had a, quite a day. I can't go into all the details, but I, I the more in the morning I was unraveling the biggest catfish scandal I've ever come across in my life. What? No, what? <laughs> Honestly, you're not even going to believe it if I tell you. It's such a long story, but it's just it's been really crazy. I didn't expect it. I think um, that's a perfect place to start. To be honest, so we got to talk about it. What happened? Oh, I'm going to have to be careful though because I don't want to out any names of people what? involved. If you do, just... I will just edit them out and post. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, honestly, it's crazy. I've never known anything like it in my life. On, Basically, the, the broad overview of what's happened is that <laughs> it's so ridiculous. It just sounds crazy. Sure. Some some person, mm. gender unidenti- unidentified, <laughs> has has been catfishing almost all of my friends from my close friendship group from uni. For the over the span of two years, that, that's so crazy, isn't it? And it's been, it's they've been posing as different accounts and saying different things. They they stole somebody's pictures and then they were romantically talking to somebody, and it was just this long, crazy story. And we've kind of been slowly piecing it together over these two years, thinking this is really weird, but not really getting anywhere with it. And then this morning, it just all kind of out of the blue. It all kind of just blew up and caught figured fire. it out. We thought we'd got it, but we've not quite got it yet. But oh, no. I know, it's so crazy. It's Do you weird. have, like, a vague, like, idea of who it, who it might be? Have you rounded it down? Yeah, we have a vague idea, but the thing is, we we assumed the whole time it must be someone from Falmouth, because they spoke to they spoke to about eight people. That's so weird. <laughs> it's the same friendship group. But as it's transpired, we've realised it's actually someone from the other, like, the other side of the world. So no. now... Even though we're the closest we've ever been, we feel like we're none the wiser because <laughs> the motive just seems like so ridiculous. Just now. a random bloke. Yeah, I, well, I don't maybe think. not even a bloke. It might be a girl. That's even wow. That's weird. I, I don't even know. I can't even say anymore because I don't really know anymore. But yeah, it's been <laughs> it's been a crazy morning, honestly. What about that's, you? How are you? <laughs> well, shit. I mean, nowhere near as bad as that. That's crazy, man. Like catfish scandal. That that's enough <laughs> to drive me insane. Shit. <laughs> I've, I've just been, I've just been, well, this is obviously, like I said earlier, this is the only, this is the second recording I've done today. So, other than that, not much really. Like, you know, just same old for me. That's <laughs> not nearly as exciting as that. Shit. <laughs> oh, fucking I have to say, man, I, I think this has been, so far, this is the most nervous I've been for, for an episode. Because, really? because I don't know you very well. So, the yeah. past three episodes, I've I know I know Jake, I know obviously I know Alex, and uh, I know uh, Luke, but I don't I don't I don't know you very well, so I think this is the most I'll be excited for because every answer you give, I'm not going to have a clue about what answer you're going to give, so that makes it even more exciting for me because I I, I, I don't know what answers you're going to give me. I know what you mean actually, and that's quite interesting because I think it will give a new um, 
kind of feel to your podcast because I've been listening to the others and they do all have that sense of being so comfortable it's so nice to listen to because it just feels like two really close mates chatting yeah. or especially the one with Alex obviously you know everything about each other but it was just so nice to listen to you talking yeah so I guess that's like totally different now it's complete yeah two, two rights completely different perspective I, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to asking these questions and seeing what you say but um, at the same no. time at the same time, I'm sipping my tea, like, proper, like, shaking. I'm like, oh, God, I don't I don't, wanna, I don't, wanna, I don't know how you're going to react. <laughs> no, ask away. I'm excited. I've, I've been a keen listener and a keen fan, so I feel very flattered to be invited on. Oh, yeah. Well, man, man before I start, i just got to say, it's probably because of you that I'm even doing this in the first place, because if I hadn't seen your story those few weeks ago about your project that you're doing at uni, which I'm sure we'll get into later, uh, I probably wouldn't have even, like, been motivated to start this podcast at all, so... First of all, I just want to say thanks for that, because oh, sick. <laughs> so cool. I was so buzzing when I saw that you posted about it. I just thought it was, uh, yeah, I know. I thought it was a really good idea for you to do as well. And you've totally pulled it out of the hat, exactly what I thought it would be like. You're so, you're, it feels like you're a natural at chatting to people, so it's really nice to listen to that in a podcast. Wow, I don't know. It's just cool, isn't it? That, it is. No, it's doing something that we like. I just think it's really <laughs> fun. <laughs> for sure, man, honestly. Cool, right, so let's get started. Uh, I've got, obviously, I'm, I've got some talking points here, and I kind of want to switch up every every episode, so I kind of want to, I don't want to start at the top and make my way down, I just want to kind of do a mix and match. So, okay. I want to start with um, a fairly deep one, actually, for you, and that oh. is um, personal experiences. So, <laughs> what I've got written down here is personal experiences have stuck with you, and it could be either good, bad, funny, warning signs, your best insights or the best lessons that you've learned or just the best memories in general that you've made throughout your life. So if you just want to think about that and like whatever. Like, I only me in the bloody deep end, dude. Yeah, I, I feel like I, I want to just go straight in the deep end with you. You know, I, I want to ask you the real questions. No bullshit. No. <laughs> so what's wow. a real big personal experience for you? <sighs> Where do you start though? That's, mm. that's like a hard question isn't it I feel like there's so many experience I feel like this is a really it's so weird talking about stuff like this after the year we've had isn't it because this year feels so crazy Mm. to think about what wasn't the most crazy thing before this year (laughs) (laughs) so it's so pale in comparison don't it (laughs) I don't know um oh this is a really good question it actually kind of links into maybe I my answer would maybe link into the fact that we're both drinking tea tonight which is <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've been sober now for eight months and I decided to do that just well eight months ago because well I kind of lost my mind on things that don't make you sober not that I'm going to put anything out there in case any, <laughs> any officials are listening <laughs> so I don't know I had I've had a lot of I don't know I think maybe the most scary personal experience I've had was definitely intoxicated related but actually not a specific experience just kind of waking up to realizing I totally lost myself about two years ago and thinking shit that is so scary I'm like I don't even know (laughs) who I am or what I'm doing right now and that's so weird no for sure man no I, I I can relate to that um I can empathize with you there because when I was going through UD around my you know, end of first year, around second year time, it was just like that time where I could, I, I felt like I was the most free and I, I, I could do anything I wanted and I started dabbling in things that I, would, I wouldn't I would dabble in now in hindsight, but yeah. it made me lose my mind a lot and it made me real question like, who am I? 
and what am I even fucking doing? You know, like real introspective shit. And it was, it wasn't, it wasn't good. It was fun at the time, but looking back, yeah. at it, like, you know, it, it's looking not back, good. It's terrifying looking back, isn't it? You think, yeah. I just think, what the fuck? Like, we, yeah, too right. Mental, didn't they? And I think you're right. It's definitely a, a, it's definitely a general uni experience. I know, obviously, I wasn't doing that alone. I was with friends the whole time, but I think it's. Yeah, I guess I don't know. Maybe the one of the biggest things that I've ever actually done is going sober for eight months at the age of twenty-two. When all of my friends, some of them are still kind of in that pattern of doing the things that made me want to go sober, and some of them aren't, but still definitely dabble in it. And it's been really crazy looking back at all of the decisions I've made for my life and thinking, wow, I can't believe I'm twenty-three now, and that I feel like I'm only just making decisions that I'm totally confident are. <laughs> kind of my own core decisions you know that's really weird yeah no for sure man and for, st- for start I just want to say honestly well done for, for being sober for that long because it's not easy um you know it's it's because one, once you're in that kind of zone of you know smoking and drinking and doing whatever it's really hard to get yourself out of it so the fact that you've done that all by yourself congratulations honestly like it's a big big pat no. for you. <laughs> but at the same time do remember that like it's 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 a learning curve that I think a lot of people have to go through, especially after university when you, you, you have all this freedom and you've, you have to kind of make that transition into what am I going to do after it's all over? You can't stay like that for the rest of your life. One, it's not good for your mental health. And two, you, you just can't do it. Not if you want to live like a substantial life that everyone wants to, not really. Like, yeah, no, definitely. It's crazy to think of just the amount that we used to do. I should add as well, I, I've actually only challenged myself to one year being sober. So I've only supposedly got four months left. And originally, I just said I'm just going to for one year just to try it and see how I could do it. And since I've been sober, I think that's why it's been so kind of groundbreaking that I've just realized, oh, what the heck? Like, why was I ever doing with that in the first place? Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to make any promises and say I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> it's I don't know I feel that was a quite a tame answer but I'm just playing it safe you know <laughs> <laughs> mate I'm not going to force you to say anything that you're uncomfortable with so if that wasn't a tame answer you're fine it's fine man <laughs> so I can get into a topic about how fucked you girls have it like really truly how fucked you girls have it throughout life about guys just being creeps the whole fucking time real ugh, just irks me man but uh, a similar story about narcotics as such <laughs> i remember <laughs> once in second year it was the last ever because i'm from the isle of wight yeah. and um i went to the festival every, every year since i was about 17 and uh, it was the last one that was being held on the isle of wight when i was in the second year so i ended up going and um i went with obviously all my mates from home and we all we it was my mates from home and one of my other mates bought their uni friends from London and they just happened to be a few like you know delinquents shall we say you know like they 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 bought all all the stuff with them you know they got all the stuff through the security and stuff so we obviously camped with them but none of my friends really did that kind of stuff they just drunk lots and you know kind of lived off the vibe uh whereas me who just you know in the past year or so just started dabbling in in stuff um and I had a couple of really good friends as well who 
you know, was, were willing to do it with me. I was the one preaching. I was being like, you know, so don't do this. Don't do that. Don't take too much at once, you know, kind of pace yourself and, you know, mm -hmm. kind of have a good time, don't, you know, leave it a couple hours, wait for it to kick in, you know, give it all the fucking high and mighty stuff because I was the only one around there that, you know, kind of did, did the most, you know, fucking prick. Who, who was I? Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I remember specifically one night that really changed. I know this sounds really cheesy, but it changed my life because it was it was like the the main night. It was Saturday night, and it was about five o'clock, uh, late September. The sun was just going down, and it was like a real beautiful day. And we obviously had this, you know, the the stuff, and we were doing um, bombs instead of doing lines or keys or anything we're doing bombs and I, I remember specifically I said to my mates I was like right when you take these like don't do too much in one go because you will just end up overdosing and it won't be it won't be pretty so like pace yourself you know do one now do one in a couple hours and you know maybe do one a couple hours after that like if you're really not feeling it yeah. so I remember <laughs> we all like cheers it and we did one and uh I took my first one and we were all just sitting around drinking, you know, having a good time. And I wasn't feeling anything after about half an hour. But because I was a bit drunk, I remember time just seemed to go faster than it was actually going. So I was yeah. like, oh, it must it must have been, you know, at least like an hour now. And I was like, oh, just, you know, I can't I can't wait any longer. So I just did another one sneakily, you know, so I've done two. Within um, an hour. And then in within that next 20 minutes, um, my group of friends were like, oh, so and so is playing at the big top. Um, we should go now and try and get some, you know, a good standing place so we can be in the front. And so everyone made a group decision to like leave the campsite in the next 10 minutes. And between where our campsite was and where the big top was, were about two or three security checks. Yeah. And I was thinking like, I could leave this for later and like, you know, come back for it once, once we're, everything's said and done and just keep the night going. Or I could just try and hide it and make my way through. And I was thinking, oh, no, because they've got dogs. Don't want to risk that. Uh, so my third option was just take it. Oh, so, God. So I, so I did. I took three within, like, an hour and 20 minutes. And they, they weren't just, like, little baby bombs. They were proper hefty, you know, like, slugs. Oh, my stuff just yeah. like yeah. <laughs> and so there's me like you know an hour and a half ago preaching like i'm the fucking work you know like i'm jesus saying like you know don't do too much at once and you know just be, be good around it and it, it will kick in eventually and there's me who's done the most out of fucking everyone so it begins the journey towards the big top and like i i was walking up through the campsite and like probably not even five minutes after i dropped the third one i started to really feel it you know and that that initial like kick kicks in and I was like I was like man this is gonna be a good night I was feeling it my you know my jaw started fucking clenching a little bit I was like yes yeah, great uh and I got to the first checkpoint and you know made it through had a bit of banter with the bloody security guy you know and it was all fun and games and as I went through the first checkpoint my legs started to go real wobbly but I was like oh it's just you know it's just a big high kicking in like it'll be fine it'll be fine got to the second checkpoint and that's where my vision went really kind of blurry and like almost like you know you know when your eyes go um real fuzzy when you like first wake up oh you know, god it was like that but constantly and like i got through the second checkpoint and through the third checkpoint and as i was walking towards the big top i could see it just about but then i couldn't see it anymore and then you know when i don't know if you've ever been hit in the ears and like it rings oh my gosh and all i could hear was ringing 
and like the next thing I know, I'm fucking face first on the in the dirt, and like I'm spasming and dribbling from the mouth. But <gasps> the 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 scariest bit was I I could think still. My body wasn't responding to anything, but I could oh, think. Oh gosh, this is stressing me yeah. out. Yeah. So I was o- I was overdosing proper hard, but I could I could what? still think. So I was thinking in my head, I'm going to die. I fucked it. Like this is it. This this no. this is. And I I just remember seeing like my group of friends like turn around and run towards me. 10, 15 minutes later, I'm in the arms of my best mate. I'm like barely conscious and like there's just a group of people around me and like paramedic and stuff. I'm just sat there thinking like, I'm such a fucking idiot. Like, why did I do that? You know, I've just been telling people not to go too hard and here I am overdosing. It was really, it was so scary. Oh my gosh, that's terrifying. Yeah, it was proper terrifying. But then my best mate, bless him, Dan, he carried me all the way back to the campsite. He literally just put me over his shoulder and just lugged me all the way back. Um, because I, I, I kind of came back to consciousness, thankfully, and uh, the paramedic was like, "You're all right." He did some checks on me. I was okay, but I was just really like fucking out of it, and I was like just a bit foaming at the mouth, you know. And I wasn't making any sense with my words. I remember I kept saying like ten, you know. I just kept trying to say things, but it wasn't really couldn't hear me. Yeah. After that, I ended up having. A, the biggest fucking high of my life, like sat in the tent for like four hours, you know, like proper spinning out. Uh, I'd fallen asleep for like three hours chatting shit. I remember I was like in the tent, I was like, oh, Dan, I love you so much. Ellis, I love you so much, man. Like, yeah, I just kept, yeah, absolutely. But it's those kind of moments that it was around that time, around second year that I just thought to myself, like, what, who, what am I doing? Like, I, I don't know. Am I really like, be doing the right things am i am i allowed to be doing this like what why have i been given so much like control over my life like this that i can just go and fuck it like that as as quickly as that you know yeah that's so funny because i feel like you've just summed it up it's it's such a contradiction isn't it because you feel that you're just doing whatever you want and you've got complete control and it's so ironic because you're just so out of control Mm. and it's so scary too right because i obviously growing up in the isle of wight it's not it's a lovely place don't get me wrong but like it was almost really cramped and like constricting so I felt like I couldn't do much and so when I came to uni you know I had I was so far Cornwall was like fucking 250 miles away from the Isle of Wight so I was like I was my own person I had no one around to tell me what to do or take care of me and so I just thought you know fuck it I'm the own boss of my of my life I'll do whatever I want consequently almost fucking ended it you know (laughs) that is crazy that is so scary (sighs) yeah i've not told that i've I've told that story at parties when i'm like drunk and stuff but i don't think i've ever told it sober and it kind of gives me chills a little bit think still thinking about it especially the people are going to be listening to this i hope my mum doesn't listen because i don't think i've ever told her (laughs) (laughs) really scary isn't it it's scary to kind of actually evaluate that you were so lucky to be able to be here saying this like doing this podcast it's kind of a crazy thought isn't it big time man honestly I've I've had a few that I've had two close encounters with death before and both haven't shook me as much as they probably should have you know that obviously being one of them um yeah but yeah it just makes you realize how fleeting life can be sometimes you know yeah I think it's I think the reason that those kind of drugged up experiences are so overwhelming is because you just 
oh, I don't know. I, I I don't know if it was the same for you, but I remember being in school and hearing if if I heard anyone did something like coke, you just thought they were off the rails. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, this Literally, fucking guy. <laughs> I could never have imagined that fast forward however many years I'd be in at uni doing all of those things and more. And more, and, yeah. <laughs> You just think you're so invincible, don't you? You think it will never happen to you, and then it does, and you realise how fragile your life is and how quick those drugs can just, like, oh, it's, yeah, it's really scary. The amount of house parties we had where it was just, it's narcotics after narcotics, you know what I mean? And it was, there came a point around that time um, that I couldn't even drink anymore. Drinking didn't get me drunk. The only thing that would get me on a level was, you know, class A's. And that's the and it was around that point I was like what the fuck am I doing not only am I spending a stupid amount of money on this stuff but I am wait I'm bloody damaging myself you know like if I carry this on I'm probably not going to come out of this in a good way Honestly. so you sit back and be like what am yeah. I doing it does it really shakes you up doesn't it yeah that was similar for that experience that I shared that it, it just kind of made me think what the actual hell am I doing <laughs> <laughs> how can I justify this why for what there's no fun in this I feel horrible what what part of this am I doing because I'm choosing to do it it's just it's weird how you yeah. get into ruts it is it's weird it's very weird but at the same time it's almost like a, a scale because you've got one end for us that is really awful and almost traumatizing but the other end is that I don't know about you but I've had some of the best times of my of my te- of my like you know early 20s was yeah. under the influence yeah definitely <laughs> and i think that's probably you know it's chase it's literally the quote chasing highs isn't it that 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 is why we did it at the end of the day because we were just chasing those really good times and hoping that they would never end and keep and trying to replicate it every single time yeah and eventually it just it just loses its fucking it, it it's worth you know and you, you become numb to it and you keep chasing something that you're probably not going to have again yeah and it's so like you say it's so fun when you're in that moment and everybody's on the same wave and the same cycle and nobody has any commitments or responsibilities it definitely does not compare to now seeing people actually finally kind of figuring out who they are and what they want to do and everybody's got a little creative passion or a little business on the side and it's so nice to finally see that all those people that were just shriveled massive people in a million uni room are now actual human beings yeah and they're doing something with their life it's so satisfying isn't it it's so satisfying definitely thing isn't it the drug thing because it's so subjective on your environment because like you were saying about your friends at home who didn't really dabble with that before Mm. I had I have a few friends of kind of from my childhood who definitely aren't into that kind of stuff either and the way I used to feel about drugs before I kind of did them or was around people that did them is the way they still feel about it and it's so interesting isn't it because they if they witnessed what the kind of stuff that you do in uni, that's drug after drug, line after line, they would think you were addicts without a doubt. Yeah. <laughs> we just, we, you just don't feel that you are because you have that kind of safety net of, oh, that's what everybody does at uni. It's so, yeah. like, it's so hard to work out what's the truth, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, is, it? It's all to do, like you say, with environment and how you've grown up and the lessons that you've learned, you know? Kind of the things that we're talking about in this podcast is to do with how how you've grown up yeah and I mean 
personally for me, I've grown up in a Christian environment. I'm, I, I, I am still a Christian. I still believe in God and all that kind of stuff. You know, I really, I try to be as committed as I can sometimes. Well, no, I try to be committed as I can always, but you know, a lot of the time it doesn't end up working out because of I don't know that. conflicting mindsets and stuff like that. You know, in, in my mind. Yeah. At the same time, how has someone like me, who has been around church and God my whole life, how did I end up being 22 years old on the mid, on the on the floor of a, a festival, Odeon? You know? Yeah, that, that's so interesting. How did how do you feel that your faith was kind of uh, affected when you went to uni? Did you feel it made? Because it's really similar for me. I'm also a Christian, but I had a completely different entry to it in that I was not brought up Christian at all. And when I went to uni was the time that I actually felt I was able to explore that without the awkwardness of my family. So it was really different because I met a lot of people who grew up very strict Christian and went off the rails because they'd been in the, all of those restrictions mm. and I didn't have that. So I was the opposite. It kind of felt that it brought me back down to earth a little bit. So yeah. I'm quite thankful that I came to it that way. So I was, how, I wonder how it was for you. Shit, now this is a real good talking topic. Uh, I haven't actually got to talk about religion yet in any of my podcasts. I'm sure I will later on, but this will be the first time I talk about it. So thank you for that. I'm, I'm glad I get to talk about it. Um, I guess how it affected me was I was never brought up Catholic or anything like that. I wasn't, I wasn't restricted as such. It was yeah. just my, my mum was... My nan has always been Christian, so we always went to church via my nan uh, mm-hmm. as a kid. My mum was a kind of late bloomer, if you will. It wasn't until I was like five or six that she came to Christ. Um, mm-hmm. And since then, she's been fully committed. And I guess I, I never had any quarrels with being a Christian. I've always accepted my faith. and I've never denied it. I've never yeah. been like, I'm not Christian. I've never been like that. Yeah. But, I guess coming to, I've always had a few, fr- I went to a, a Christian school, right? It was a, it was called Christ King College. <laughs> so if you, if you want any, any proof, you know, I went to a Christian school, just look at the name. Um, <laughs> and, but at the same time, it's funny because as, although it was called Christ King College, there were a lot of people there who didn't have a faith, you know, mm-hmm. it was just, it was just a school to them. Growing up, I, I had a, a few friends who, who were Christian and that was nice. We went to um, a Christian festival uh, called Soul Survivor. Oh, uh, yeah, I went there. You went to Soul Survivor? Oh, my days. This is so weird because I bet we were there. What, what years did you go there? Did you go every year? I went three times, maybe four. Did you, did you go in 2012? I think I did. <gasps> no way. We probably crossed paths and I just saw you from a distance. and never. <laughs> Do you yeah. know how... Right, I just got to say... This is even weirder for me because last year on during my masters, I was living still in Falmouth, and two of my housemates, um, Chris and Sam, if you're watching Chris and Sam, shout out to you. We were we we were talking we were talking in the living room because we we didn't really talk to each other at the start of the year. We only really became friends like near halfway but at the end of the year, maybe at the end of the year kind of time. And yeah. um, we found out we all three of us were Christians as well, and that all three of us had also gone to Soul Survivor in the years that I had. So not only is it you now, it's two other people within the last year that I realised were all in this congregational space, you know, like, it's small world, man, honestly, small world. How did you like, did you like Soul Survivor? Yeah, I loved it, because at the time, I, I didn't, I wasn't a member of a church, and my family weren't religious, so I kind of just had a few ties in with a couple of friends in my village who 
were religious and they took me let me with them and I loved it so much it was so fun it was amazing yeah it's such a nice community of people it's such a nice space for young people I think I agree and it really um going to Salt Survivor properly solidified my faith I think because I experienced things there that I don't think I've ever experienced since um, oh days come yeah. on you've got to share you've got to share have you experienced a miracle <sighs> I wouldn't say a miracle but a definite out of all the things I talk about, this is probably the hardest thing to talk about because I'm not a preacher. You know, I don't like to preach. Yeah. I, I like to accept people for what they believe and who they are. And I don't want to force my faith upon everyone, even if that's what the Bible says, you know, to try and get yeah. people to this congregation. But I, I'm not a fan of that. I want people to just be happy as themselves. Yeah. However, if we're going to talk about it, I guess the first time I went, we didn't know what to expect. And I remember going in, do you remember going into that big top in the mornings and the evenings? And it was uh, Mike and yeah. Andy at the top. Oh my um, God, it's crazy that you... Yeah, this, <laughs> just name dropping like that. It's like, oh my God, I know those names. <laughs> um, yeah, and we, to, to start with, on the, first, uh, on the first day, we were like, we don't really know what to expect. And it was all very grandeur and it was very different to what we knew you know like small churches and you know kind of youthful but at the same time it was so like epic and we were like damn this isn't what we're used to I think it was the second night um so the fourth big top um congregation Mm -hmm. and he talked about just inviting the holy spirit into the big top and I was like what does that mean? Like, I, I didn't really know what that meant. Yeah. I, I, I'd always heard in church, you know, all these things, you know, mentions about letting the Holy Spirit into your life and letting him do its magic and stuff like that. And I was like, I guess this must all just be a metaphor. But I, I can only assume that this is very personal to each and every one to a subjective level. And like, it's, it's, not, it's not the same for everyone. Do you remember those times when he used to say that? And... Yeah. It would go would go silent in, yeah. in you know, there's thousands of people in there, but it would be like you could hear a fucking cricket, you know? Yeah. And do you remember hearing like screams and laughs and like crying? Honestly, I was about to say that I feel like this topic, I'm exactly the same. I don't often talk about this and I think probably a large majority of my friends don't even know that I am a Christian, I don't think, because I yeah. don't feel it's always necessary. But I think that this does actually come off the back of the topic of drugs because that was probably the first time I ever experienced that euphoric yeah. feeling of connection. I am so, like, so glad that you're saying this because I feel exactly the same. Yeah, and then <laughs> like, I had that semi with the different drug experiences I had, but it's never been the same as that just completely sober but completely elated experience that yeah. I had then and still have now when I encounter that. Honestly, man. And I just... I remember at first I was terrified. I was like, what yeah. is going on? I was like, is someone being murdered? I remember looking at my friend being like, has someone just got stabbed? Like, why are they screaming? Why are they crying? You know what I mean? Like, and then I hear laughter. I'm like, is someone, is someone just, is this a sick joke? You know? And then Mike was like, at the top and he was like, it's, you know, don't be scared, everyone. Like, this is just the Holy Spirit coming into this place and working its magic. And at this point, I was petrified. I was like, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm experiencing God, like, you know, Old Testament style. I'm like scared. And, um, yeah. oh, and then at that time, after about 20 minutes of all this going on, I remember I stood there and I kind of just, 
prayed and I had my arms open and I had my head down and I was praying and I was waiting for something my at the time I felt I was I must have been like 16 and I was going through some stuff at home you know some family stuff and I felt a lot of pressure and a lot of weight and I was kind of like the class clown all the time and I felt like it was my job to make people happy you know like throughout school and I never really told people my problems or how I felt you know men's mental health and all that kind of stuff and um, my friend came up to me as I was praying and he like put his my head in his shoulder and he whispered to me, he said, um, God's just told me you're going through a really hard time now, man. Um, uh, I feel like you need to let all this weight off your shoulders and just give it all to him. And like, I, I'm not one for crying. I don't cry. Like, it's yeah. just, that's not like big macho man me. I just, I, I, it's not a thing I do very often. Yeah. But like the moment he finished his sentence, like I can't tell you how many tears streamed out of my eyes. Like Honestly, just giving me goosebumps just listening to this. Yeah, and I I cry I I fell to my knees and I wept like a a widow. You know, I was weeping. Uh, I've never wept before. Like I was, I, I was just thinking like this is incredible. Like I couldn't believe the amount of you know when you feel like you've had like this bolt well let's keep it topic you've had a cross on your shoulder this whole time yeah. and you, you finally let it go and I was like fuck and I was on the ground crying and my friends were around me praying for me hugging me and I was like this is the most incredible feeling I've ever felt in my life nothing could compare to it yeah and, and I, I experienced other things as well which I won't go into now because we'll be here forever but that was yeah. the first time I like thought damn like this is real man like this this I, I can't not believe in it now this, this is this happened yeah. to me yeah it's so crazy that yeah that's so true that moment that solidifies it for you and you're just like whoa yeah. I have an actual relationship with God yeah. <laughs> such Dude. a crazy thing isn't it it's incredible honestly and I felt so grateful to be in the presence of of that feeling and and of him you know and it was like it was. I remember leaving that tent, feeling like I just—I don't even know. No, nothing compares. I just felt so happy, you know. Yeah. I was so happy. It's hard talking about this kind of stuff to people who aren't religious and who don't have a faith, because uh, unless they kind of experience it themselves and like kind of give themselves to God, it's—it's—they. They, it almost feels like you sound crazy to them. Yeah, yeah, right. That's, it's so funny. We've like gone on a tangent from the original question, but that's <laughs> kind of what we were talking about, wasn't it? Being a Christian in uni is just such a weird situation because, yeah, yeah it's just crazy, isn't it? So little people are kind of open to that. Did you what, did you have any big experiences at uh, Soul Survivor, or was it more just like little things here and there? It wasn't actually, but um, two years ago, I actually helped out at a little festival called creation fest in Weedbridge, oh, yeah. and um just kind of helping with a friend who went to the church that i went to in falmouth who was doing a food tent and basically this is just the craziest experience that's happened to me <laughs> in like a, it wasn't ha didn't happen to me but i witnessed it um mm. the manager of the food tent that we were running we were on shift and he basically stepped through a stack of crates wooden crates okay he literally ripped his shredded his ankle shredded oh. his legs he was bleeding everywhere he couldn't walk it was oh. awful he was sat he was crying it was just so horrible oh. and I was like fuck like what are they gonna do like who's 
he's just he's fucked and then <laughs> all these people come and all they they're just they have his hands on him and they're praying and I'm thinking you literally insane me already previously believing in God is still looking at it like you are insane he needs clearly needs medical help what you praying is gonna do nothing <laughs> you idiots call an ambulance <laughs> yeah I'm like, what is everybody doing and so they would pray for him he's still crying he goes outside and honestly I can't even if you were not there you would think this is insane but within half an hour his leg had stopped bleeding he was walking on it it was still of course shredded but it was no longer a painful wound for him he was able to continue the shift it was just insane I had never seen anything like it and I'm a massive skeptic so there's a huge part of me that's like oh I I don't know but I I can't deny what I saw and it was it was really crazy (laughs) miracles you know like when you see them happen so many people try and debunk them but like once you experience it, you, what else can you do but just preach and say yeah. that you know, I saw it with my own two eyes? <laughs> yeah, and I do really feel that although those that like these miracle experiences, although they happen to one person or whatever, I do feel that there's a reason that the people that witnessed it witnessed it, if that makes sense, because yeah. that was a period of my life where I was so kind of on the rails. Do I want to commit to this? Am I really into this? Blah blah blah. But I just literally went there to help out. I didn't think it was anything to do with my faith really, and that. I experienced that moment and it just completely made me certain that this was something that was really fundamentally important in my life and I feel so blessed that I was able to experience that. For sure, man. Yeah, shit. Oh, man. This yeah. this is like the deepest episode I've had so far. This is great. I'm so excited. <laughs> Sorry, we're not really holding back, are we? No, let's just keep going, man. I mean, to end this topic off, I think coming back to your question that you said about 20 minutes ago, um, I... <laughs> Coming to uni as a Christian was weird for me because I've always said to myself, I will never deny Christ ever. If there was a gun pointed to my head, I would, and you know, to, to say, to denounce Jesus, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. But that's different to not saying anything at all. And I guess some, I remember some people when I said that I was Christian, they were like, you're not Christian. I've seen the things that you did, you've done over the course of your university life, you know, like there's no way you're Christian. But yeah. It's, it's different because it, it, it's a very personal journey for me because I've always been, my sister's accepted Christ as of fairly recently in the last few years. Obviously my mum uh, did and my father-in-law, he's, you know, an ex-minister. Um, okay. And my whole um, father-in-law side of the family, they're all Christian. And so basically it's just me that's like, I'm not not Christian, but I'm not fully I'm not as committed as, as I should be in comparison yeah. to them. Yeah. And I guess I always said, like, after uni, I'm going to settle down. I'm going to, like, you know, join a church um, community and, like, try and get my faith back on check. But three years later, I've still not done that. You know, yeah. and it, it's not like I've denounced him, but at the same time, I know I could be doing more with myself. Yeah. And I know that there were people, friends that I had at, at uni who went to church and that there were people that were around me that did understand and were in the same mindset as me. But I never really made it my goal to like hang around them and be in the presence of people with the same mindset. So in that essence, uh, as what Andy said at Soul Survivor one time, if you if you let your batteries deplete by not being around um, people that have the same mindset as you, you're probably not going to 
have like the same spiritual connection to God because you're not putting yourself in the situation where he's he's there a lot because what can you do by yourself only so much than as opposed to a congregation of people it's been hard that's so interesting to me because I I had a bible from quite a young age but no external input to my religious take so I just read the bible and found a lot of guidance in it whilst I was growing up but I my entire interpretation of what God was and what my relationship with God was was completely independent Mm -hmm. and then I I had two really weird cases and one that I had a boyfriend when I was 17 18 who was actually a Jehovah's Witness (laughs) so then I started to study that and that was like the most extreme thing I couldn't it was just so weird isn't it? it didn't add up to what I had interpreted this experience to be like so it obviously didn't work out and then I kind of nothing really more came of my faith and I was still very independent until I went to uni and I had another boyfriend who was also a Christian but who was in a very similar situation as you were where he kind of had like one foot in one foot out didn't always act like a Christian but had definitely believed in it and it was and he was actually the person who introduced me to church and it's really weird because previously (laughs) to that I never even considered the fact that I wasn't surrounded by other people that were Christians but since that experience now after this whole few years of not having that kind of input I feel really like I miss that it's it's really interesting isn't it yeah definitely honestly it's 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 weird to be to look at the perspectives like this and look back on your life and think how different things could have gone if you had just done things a slightly different way yeah and it's so crazy because you kind of I feel like maybe we're in quite a similar situation where I'm the same I feel like I'm just like one foot in and one foot out of both of them I'm not fully a Christian enough to be like a church Christian but I'm yeah. not, not Christian enough to be a normal person so just, <laughs> <laughs> what am I yeah what, what am I god tell me what am I yeah I, I agree man um I there was actually one final moment I had pretty recently it was about just over a year ago and where back home for me which is in the new forest in um near Southampton I yeah. Um, my family go to a church it's a new life church it's, mm. it's a lovely place and like you know it's very upbeat and it's very uh teenage friendly and like but also very like it's for all ages type of thing yeah. and the minister's a young bloke called tom and he's a lovely bloke and he's he's only like five years older than me maybe six he's not that much older than me um and we went for a coffee and um he was he just um this was a just before i started my master's i think and just before I came to terms with my mental health and um you know tackling it and he kind of sat me down we had a you know just a nice friendly chat and he just said how like he was he he hoped that I would I I would always keep the word of God like on in in the back of my mind somewhere if not at the forefront and um he prayed for me I can't remember for the life of me what he said but that feeling happened again that I talked about soul survivor like I just, no tears were present before he even started praying. But all of a sudden, like, it was just tears hitting the floor. And, like, I was like, damn, I haven't felt this feeling in, like, six years. Yeah. It's crazy just to think that just being around the right people and having the right kind of mentality is sometimes what you need in anything. Not just in Christ, but, like, just in life, you know? 100%, yeah. Yeah, it's so moving, isn't it? It is, big time. So the next topic we're going to talk about is something a lot, well, hopefully a lot less mentally and emotionally taxing. 
Um, let's talk about education. Okay. Um, so the questions I've got written down here uh, is, did you enjoy school? What was your best memory from your school days, whether inside school or outside of school? And um, did you ever imagine that this is where you'd end up? Mm. Did you enjoy school? This is such a good topic. I oh, Do you know, it's so weird because I only have fond memories of school looking back at it. I know that when I was there, I really struggled. I was quite a mentally unwell. I mm. feel like I kind of hit my... my um, <laughs> Well, I don't know what you'd call it. We seem to all go through one at some point, just that internal crisis. I, I think I hit it very young. I was yeah. very early bloomer in every department um, and that did not bode very well for my mental health. Man. So I was quite I was quite unwell at school, actually, but very internally. I don't think many people knew other than my very best friends or my boyfriends or, of course, my family. So, yeah, I don't know. I look back on it and I really think it was such a fun time and it was such a unique experience and I've never had that kind of being together with so many people I went to a very very small school so there was a hundred people I think well it may not have been as small as yours but there was a hundred people I think in my year so we kind of knew everyone from the year above the year below it was very yeah. inclusive everybody was friends I really loved that part of it and I miss that now because I don't you don't have that same thing again, do you, ever, where you see the same people every day that you just know them all so well. <laughs> and at the time, you kind of get sick of it. You're like, oh, God, it's the same bloody thing every day. But then when yeah. it's not like that anymore, you're like, God, I miss it. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I, I kind of, it's a difficult one because I do, I did really enjoy school. I enjoyed a lot of it, but I don't, but yeah, when I was actually there, I think I found it quite hard. Do you look back on it and feel like, you you actually would you rather like if you had the choice would you have rather not gone to school if you could still like obviously get the same education elsewhere such as at home or blended learning or whatever like do you think you could have you would have been better off not going to school no definitely not I think I'm so glad I went to school and if I hadn't have had all of the experiences I had at school I would only assume that I would have had them later in life and they would have been even more difficult to deal with so I feel like I'm quite thankful that school was the way it was. Mm. I, I don't know. I think I've been quite a weird person. I, this has only really dawned on me recently since the pandemic, actually, that mm. I've had my fair share of <laughs> severe mental health episodes, I would say. Really? I'm, I'm thankfully okay now, but mm. I definitely was, yeah, been quite um, extreme with different things. But one thing I've never struggled with, weirdly, is social anxiety. And I only now realize how lucky I was to never have I've, I've never struggled to make friends I've always been able to speak to people it's never been something that has been a pressure in my life and mm. until the pandemic this pandemic is the first time I've really ever even experienced a taste of that and it's made me realize how lucky I was for my whole growing up and my whole childhood to never have that because I know a, a lot of people do feel that way a lot of my friends do and I've always understood but never really been able to relate and now well since the pandemic I definitely experienced it a bit for the first time I think and I was like whoa <laughs> yeah man, for sure I feel you on that one I really do it's it, it I'm this, I'm very similar to you in that I growing up I was a social butterfly and I didn't really ever experience social anxiety until I had to come face to face with my mental health last year and I yeah. experienced my first ever and one and only um, anxiety attack. And it was 
terrifying because I'd never, whenever the word anxiety attack came up, I couldn't relate. I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what it felt like. But yeah. when it happened, I was like, oh my God, like this is, yeah. this is petrifying. I, I can't, you know, I was kind of stuck, you know, in yeah. this mental state and I couldn't bring myself to see, talk or do anything with anyone. I was just yeah. stuck in my room with the lights off and I was crying and I every time I thought about going outside I felt sick and like oh my god it yeah I know you feel, I know you feel on that one it, it, it's very it's very tough but at the same time yeah we are very lucky because we've only had to experience it a handful of times whereas other people have to kind of live with it yeah 100% so I think in that sense I I'm sure you feel the same then that I loved school because Mm. that side of things never was a problem for me I've always been quite confident and comfortable so yeah I know speaking to my friends who I even went to school with and didn't even realize that this was their experience mm. and now I realize that that was a difficult period for them because they felt more insecure about who they were at that age I suppose but I don't know so looking back at it I do really enjoy it and I did really love it but now yeah I don't know I wouldn't want to do it again though I don't think would you <laughs> Jesus uh no <laughs> big no I yeah same I loved it and it was great and I'm glad I had the experience I did but if I ever had a chance to go back I would just turn it down in a heartbeat because no yeah. way would I do it again you know I still I still had my insecurities I mean everyone does you know like, yeah. it doesn't matter how confident you are and how socially adept you are it, yeah. it, it makes you there's still little things like my my weight was a big one I was really self-conscious about my weight um uh what else the fact that because I was on the Isle of Wight, there there were literally in my year two black guys. The other black guy being my best friend's childhood. We're not even related. We're just we just happen to be best friends. But oh. we were like the only two black guys in in the what? year. And wow. Rob, I know he's going to listen to this at some point. He um he grew up to be as we were growing up, going through puberty. He had like the sick pack. He was like you know six foot plus. All the girls swooned over him. He could dance. He could backflip. You know, I mean, like he could do all the stuff that made the ladies weak at the knees. You know, and there was me, kind of like this funny, friendly guy who had a bit of podge on him. Uh, <laughs> and I always tried to like be. I don't know. I always tried to be myself, but at the same time, I could. All, I, I could always think like I. I was never going to compare to him. You know. So growing up, I had those real issues of feeling inferior to him yeah so oh, that's crazy. He, he does know about this so it's not like he's going to be shocked and like ring me as soon as he hears this like <laughs> we, we have talked about this a few years ago but yeah, uh, yeah so I, I think no matter how much of a social butterfly or how good you think you had it everyone does go through shit at school it's just a part of life isn't it 100 percent, and i feel I don't think we're all the way there by any means, but it's so nice that we're just in a time and an age where people are a lot more open about that kind of thing. Because oh, that's cool. No one spoke about it, did they? Oh my God, literally. Like, it was, it was Yeah, it was such a different way. It was like almost, if people did speak about it, it was not in a healthy way. It was like a competition. Like, who's the most fucked up? <laughs> <laughs> that's what it was like right. in my school anyway. I don't know what your experience was like, but... No, it was, it was very similar. Very similar. I think that's what every school is like, really. Yeah. And no boy was allowed to be, you know, uh, vulnerable. Otherwise, you're seen as weak. 
you know, like you, you get the piss taken out of you. And I'm sure same with girls. If you show any vulnerability, it's like you get fed to the wolves. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? It's so crazy. It's mad how that's our lifestyle in the, in the Western yeah. world. Isn't it? Yeah. And it's so funny what you just said is so true because I remember, this is something I remember about uni as well. I had my friendship group was so diverse as people that had, had such a range of experiences and were at such different levels of maturity. And it was so weird thinking like we'd speak about school days and we've all had the same experiences no matter what school you're yeah. there in the country how rich we are whatever <laughs> so weird that that's just everyone in england has that fucked up weird school experience yeah. oh my god it, it, it it's gratifying to hear because it like the point of this podcast it's like it makes you realize that you're not alone in how you think in how you feel and how the experiences you've you felt the things that you feel have been felt by others across the world not just like your next door neighbor but basically everyone else and it yeah. makes you feel a lot less alone then doesn't it yeah 100 percent. i wish there was a way that we could you could kind of open that up to people earlier in life but yeah i don't time. know but at the same time, I think it's part of growing up. So yeah. whereas now we can look back and, you know, reminisce and be grateful for everything we experienced at the time, you kind of have to go through those hardships to make it to be the person you are now. Because if you make it too easy, then yeah. they're not going to appreciate it, are they? Yeah, true. Very true. That sounds harsh, but at the same time, I think that's just life. You have to go through hardships. You can't just sail through life. Yeah, expect things to be easy. Yeah, I yeah I think it, you're right. And I I used to kind of well I still do think it, I can't imagine what my life would be like now if I'd never experienced the most difficult things in my life. I would feel so much more confused about who I am and what I stand for. I feel like if I just had a plain sailing life. Yeah, too right, too right. Yeah. Oh man, well let's let's ease it up a bit. What's your best memory from your school days? Oh, this is a hard one. It doesn't have to be necessarily within like the school borders. It could be just like a time when you were that age. I don't, it's really hard to think of what was actually my best memory when I was there rather than now really appreciating a memory, if that makes any sense. Mm. I think I, I just really now look back so fondly on the innocence of friendships then. I miss like mm. having a massive sleepover with all my girlfriends at 30. Oh my God. Yeah. Just being like playing stupid little games and everything just drinking Fanta or Fruit Twist or something. And that was <laughs> such a nice, innocent age, I feel like. I really missed that kind of open friendship that I had with people then. Yeah. It's probably one of my fondest things, just the, the age. You know, I feel like you saying that is is has opened something up in my head that is actually kind of fucked, that I've never really thought about it before. But it, I, whenever I think back at school, my my best memories, I think about when I just started drinking and we used to have house parties and, you know, kind of, uh, we were all just starting to discover what sex was and, you know, all this kind of stuff, you know, like the real puberty side. But now that I think about it and with you saying that, I think that's something I should miss a lot more because yeah, I used to have sleepovers with my mates and I remember just sleeping in the living room and playing Pokemon, you know, on our DS and watching Shaun of the Dead and, yeah, drinking Fanta or Coke, you know, maybe cracking open a cheeky beer and sharing it, you know, like when we're 14, 13. And, yeah. like, those are the times when, yeah, there's, there's literally nothing to worry about. You've got nothing to worry about. Like, life is good. You don't have to worry about getting a part-time job because you're not old enough. School, you're doing your... You, you've maybe just started your GCSEs and, like, that's seems like the biggest thing of your entire life at the at the time but yeah. in hindsight it's not really that important 
Yeah, so crazy. I think I missed the time just when we were starting, just that like overlapping period when we were starting to like walk into that getting together and going out and getting drunk, but we weren't <laughs> quite there. So it was like someone would snog someone or message someone. And it, was, <laughs> it was exciting. Yeah, man, literally. And now it's like, you don't even want to hear about it unless they've done a home run. Otherwise, you're like, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I miss when it was just really nice and exciting to get any kind of small, tiny attention. Oh yeah, too right. Yeah, made it made your whole world to get just a little bit of attention. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit questionable, isn't it? What kind of attention it was, but <laughs> especially like I, I, I do want to come back to this because at some point, not right now, because it's a very deep topic. But like I said yeah. earlier, it's a lot harder for you girls growing up um, because it's just a completely different dynamic for you girls in just how society treats you and how life treats you and how people are taught to treat you. I think it's getting better now and hopefully I, I, I'm not that age, you know, like I'm not a teen growing up in the 2020s, but I can only hope that girls have a voice growing up now rather than being taught things like, don't want to go too far deep into it because then it's just a whole different topic which i'm sure we'll bring up later but like it's just bugged how you girls have had to be brought up and in comparison to us guys you know us uh, guys had it easier. yeah i i it's interesting though isn't it because there is the two sides of the scope and i do think the in the moment experience is probably more difficult for girls but then the, the flip side is like you were saying that kind of toxic masculinity that you guys all had to face especially our generation I think were just on the border of like it was awful thinking back now it would just never be acceptable would it to treat people like that and I think that even though girls maybe went through more at the time more hands-on and more more harassment maybe we at least had the opportunity to learn how to process our emotions before boys did and I'm so thankful for that even though life as a girl is weird but I'm so glad I'm a girl so I think maybe that says something it can't be that bad (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> man, honestly that that's 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 inspiring for sure um i watched mean girls for the first time last night oh cracking film oh my god i'm sure when i was a kid maybe i would have enjoyed it but looking back on a film filmed in 2004 with Lindsay lohan and amy mcadams all these people you know like this it was fucked like how school because was school really like that like thinking back Maybe it was. Maybe there was a bit of like pop culture influence on how school was when we were growing up. Yeah. I remember it on like mufty days and stuff, like, you know, when we were wearing our own clothes. Some well, of the plastics, quote unquote, would, you know, start wearing like really skimpy outfits. They're only like 15, 16, you know? Oh, it's so heartbreaking, isn't it? Like, it is. I, I was like, shit, man. Did, did, was this the reason? Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh. It's, it's so. It's so crazy. I've got a younger half brother now who's 14 and he is the sweetest guy in the world. He is such a late bloomer. He's just so lovely. He's he's such a 14-year-old boy, exactly what a 14-year-old boy should be like. (laughs) When I was 14, I was already... I was already getting into things that were no good for me. And it's so weird. Like you just said to see all those skimpy things. I look at him and I think I cannot believe what I was doing at that age. I was, I was a child. And at the time I felt like, uh, I don't know. It's just crazy, isn't it? It's really weird. Yeah, no, I agree. Being a guy at that age, you, you get so, I don't know if it was the same for every guy, but being a guy like me, I watched girls seem to grow up faster than 
guys did. You remember, girls used to wear makeup and it made them look like three or four years older than they actually were. And they used to wear outfits that made them seem older. And all the older guys were interested in them. And it was like, you know, I should I be better than I am? Should I, you know, because I'm not, I'm not impressing anyone. I'm not interesting in any form. I'm not being looked at by who I want to be looked at. Therefore, does that mean I should be someone that I'm not? Should I be doing things that impress other girls? You know, like to to make them notice me. And I think that is um, unfortunately a problem with our society. We're trying to grow up too fast, aren't we? Yeah, one hundred percent. And then by the time you're our age, you're like, why the fuck did I waste all that time like that trying to be older when I'm older now and I'm <laughs> I've got mental health issues and I'm you know I've got I'm in debt. <laughs> like, why, why did I want to be this age? Like, honestly, shit. it's so crazy, isn't it? You just have no idea when you're that young. You don't. You want to be older when you're younger, and then when you're older, you want to be younger again. It's like, yeah. just can't win. I'm satisfied. Yeah, do right. What we like. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the final question on that topic is, um, did you ever imagine this is where you'd end up? What, when I was in school, did I think I would be here? Yeah, like at this exact moment in time, everything that you've done up to this point, do you think this is, was this like your <laughs> your plan, or is it just ended up this way? Yeah, sorry, can I just say, I don't know why I needed um, reaffirming what you meant, because that was the most obvious question you had. <laughs> did you mean, and just repeat the exact same question back to me, like, yes. <laughs> yes um, no, definitely not. I Well, for starters, I was very 100% sure I was never going to go to uni all the way through my education. I never, um, I've always been one of those people in academic terms that has been smart enough to mess around and still do okay like I've still done quite well in all of my education but I've never been a very committed academic person so I never kind of had a career goal or a spark for any particular subject that I felt I was better at so I never thought it was worthwhile me going to uni because I didn't know what I wanted to do Mm. Um, and the only reason I went to uni was because I had such a terrible relationship with my parents when I was just an angst horrible teenager Mm. that I kind of had a gap year after college was in a job that I really enjoyed but I realized if I carried on doing it it meant I had to stay where I lived and I was never going to be able to move out financially in the next however many years when I was 19 so I my mum heard a thing on radio 4 that Falmouth Uni had some clearing spaces and I just thought fuck it I'll get (laughs) radio (laughs) 4 I'm so glad that happened now because I can't imagine what I'd be doing if I didn't Mm -hmm. but yeah so I definitely never thought I'd be I'd be here doing what I'm doing now did you it's you know know, before I get into that I just want to say I had no idea where this conversation was going to lead us but the more I'm speaking to you about these things and asking these questions you and me are very similar people and it is almost scary how similar we are because I was exactly the same growing up through school. I I wasn't bad at school. I I enjoyed, you know, I was I was in kind of top set for a few things, bottom, you know, not not bottom set, but like you know, mid set for a few other things. And I kind of cruised through school. And the one thing I always got told at parents' evenings, and my mum always got told at parents' evenings, was Niall was a really good student. He is very good at what he does, and he's very committed, and he's a lovely boy. But he could do better. He could yeah. push himself a lot more you know that was always my thing literally Has all the potential. way yeah literally I had all this potential and I wasn't using it and like all the way up until literally like third year I got told that like all the time so like yeah. that's just been like a common denominator throughout my life 
Yeah, I, I just never found anything I was interested in until I came across graphic design. Um, and at that point, I was like, yeah, I think I could see myself doing something like this. And that kind of is what led me to Falmouth and yeah. led me where I am right now. And, you know, I I don't regret anything. I, I, I am who I am. I've gone through the experiences I've gone through, and it's made me the person I am today. I'm with Alex. I'm super happy. I'm... Uh, you know, I'm kind of, I'm hoping to pave my way into this industry that I'm happy with. Um, but I think my my dream <laughs> this might sound really sad, but my dream in life was to go to Falmouth University because wow. in I think it was year ten, maybe year eleven, we went for um, uni open days with the school with our school, and on one of them. Uh, it was like eight of us ended up being driven all the way down to Cornwall and stayed at Falmouth just to look around. And I remember since that day, I was I had it in my head. I was like, this is the perfect university. It's beautiful. It's by the sea. It's like a home away from home. It, it, it does, you know, it's very arty. I couldn't imagine myself being here. So I like committed myself for the next like three or four years to go into the, to this university. And I remember I got the placement uh, there and it was a this it was like um a unconditional offer i cried and i was like that's it i made it in life and after that everything was just kind of like bonus points and oh, not now i'm like maybe my dream should have been a bit higher because like, i've already achieved my dreams where do i go from here <laughs> oh yeah that's true that's crazy though that's so nice to have that have had that vision that was a total opposite for me i literally never even well i had been there just through family members living there years ago but I didn't even go and see it I just decided and a week later I moved in and then that was that <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit crazy but That's yeah weird. me and you so, have obviously had, diff- had similar mindsets but at the same time we've had totally different experiences yeah so true that's so weird how we've grown to be such similar people even though we've had such different paths into all of these topics <laughs> Do you, um, when did you learn about graphic design then? Because I think part of the reason I never, ever considered uni was because I had very, very little creative input in my education. My school was very small. So there was like art, basic art and drama were the two most creative subjects they did. And my college, I went to Exeter College, which definitely had creative courses, but because of my school, I wasn't that into any of them. I didn't really know anything about the fact that you could have an entire creative unit with courses I've never even heard of. (laughs) I mean, graphic design came into my life um, around the start of GCSEs. I took it as an option. I didn't take it as an option, but obviously I I did it because, I don't know, I I remember, obviously it was one of those things that people did but didn't really care about. You know, it's just one of those subjects that they kind of did to pass the time didn't really notice much of but I when I did it I was really interested in like the multimedia aspect of it uh album cover designs posters uh you know um, photoshop all this kind of stuff was really interesting to me the stuff that I'd never really thought of before um and then I eventually took it as an A-level um at my school and it was the only one I didn't fail I still got an E but at the same time I didn't fail it you know so that is so interesting because what we were just speaking about about our education I was exactly the same I did so well in all my GCSEs didn't even try thought I could do the same at A-levels absolutely fucked it up and I was like shit I got I got a B in English but only because I did it a year early um and then I got an E in graphic design and two fails and that was it so I had a B and an E to my name uh, A-level wise 
So I was like, this is fucking shit. I'm, an, I'm terrible. And the school was like, oh, you know, we can put you back another year and we'll, we'll get you sorted. We'll get you, you know, we'll get you those grades that you, that you need. And I was like, fuck that. I went to, co- I just went to the Isle of Wight College instead. Ended up getting a triple distinction star, you know, like the highest fucking grade. And I was like, fuck that school. You know, like, <laughs> you know, I, I just like got like the biggest grade possible. It's something that I really enjoy. Um, but yeah, uh, I actually ended up doing, I don't know if you knew this, but I did advertising at uni. Um, oh, cool. I didn't actually go into graphic design. The options came up. Uh, I, I don't know what pushed me to do advertising, but I was like, oh, that, that seems pretty fun, creative advertising. Uh, yeah, fuck, fuck it, let's just click that one. Clicked it, you know, when I was applying for universities, ended up get, getting getting the placement, and I ended up hating the course, ultimately. Oh, really? I, have, I, I absolutely hate advertising now, but at the same time, I don't regret doing it, because one, it taught me a lot of things I probably couldn't have learned in graphic design, and two, I met the best fucking people. Yeah. So, but yeah, graphic design has always has been a part of my life, really, since, like year nine however old i was then that's yeah. crazy you did fine art right no i actually did creative writing creative right did you Shit, i didn't do that well i'm still doing it <laughs> yeah, well, I mean... so i've been meaning to ask you this so when <laughs> so i thought when, yeah. did you, when did you start uni no yeah you thought right basically what happened was i failed my first year of uni i well yeah obviously for the reasons we've already spoken about in this podcast i was not really on track i was doing other things i like very very badly did the year and then i because i just didn't care about it at all i didn't even check my results for the entire summer so then i'd organized my second year house i could see my timetable i'd like everything was sorted and a week before i went back to uni to do my second year my mum was like, oh, what did you get, by the way? So I logged on and it said I'd failed. And I was like, shit. So oh. I ran my tutor. I was like, I said I failed. And he was like, oh, yeah, you failed to submit um, one of your assignments. It was like a 150 or 1,500 word assignment, just an add-on. And because I hadn't submitted it and didn't realise, I, I automatically failed because it missed two submissions. I didn't realise I'd automatically fail. So, yeah, basically, I, because it was so late and I hadn't checked, I could have appealed it, but I wouldn't have had my results back till after Christmas. So I just thought, right, fuck it. I'm just going <laughs> to. I'm just going to start again. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I'd but never do that. That. Was, that was actually one of the best things that happened to me. I should have said that for my first flipping thing rather than that whole extravagant <laughs> story with that guy in Falmouth. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was the moment I sorted out my life, basically. So oh. if that hadn't happened, then God knows what I'd be doing now. Dude, that's fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. We're now, that's why I'm now currently still in my third year, but all the people who I kind of was with at uni have all graduated. Oh. Dude, that, that sucks. I can't remember who it was now, but I remember there was someone I went to uni with and they had to hold back a year and like they watched all of us graduate while they had to obviously like do another year. And I yeah. can only imagine it fucking sucks to see that because these are people that you've grown up with for the past like three years and yeah. they're, they're going without you this moment that you should be with them, but you're not. And it's like, damn, man. It is weird, but to be honest, I think I've kind of, had it the best way I possibly could because coronavirus has pretty much saved me like (laughs) I've I've not had to really witness it and also it's all online now so I've not even gone I'm not even in Falmouth now I'm just in Devon where I live um just doing it all on from online so it doesn't even feel like I'm still it's really bizarre this whole year is so weird how, how do you feel about blended learning and like being online all the time instead of being in the classroom do you prefer it a bit of both I I 
at the beginning of this year, I was in Norway doing an Erasmus, which got cut short, obviously, because of COVID. I had to come home. So it was all a bit, it's all been a bit hectic because I didn't have any house sorted for Falmouth, but had originally thought that I would finish my Erasmus in June, go back, live in Falmouth, do my third year, Mm. but basically had to come home early from my Erasmus. And then I've just been in Devon ever since because, well, I moved out with my boyfriend now and we just live together here because it's all online. What was the point of going back? Mm -hmm. um, Obviously, most of my friends have graduated. There's a few of them that still are in Falmouth and I would have lived with them, but, you know, things happened and now now I don't. So yeah, in some ways I'm really thankful because I feel like lucky that I can just do it from home and it hasn't really affected me and it's kind of saved me without having to plan all of where I'm going to live and what I'm going to do. Yeah, but in other ways, it is a bit shit. At the beginning of the year, I felt really thankful I was in third year because, you know, when you get to third year, everything's pretty independent. So I didn't really yeah. feel like I was missing out on major tutoring. But now I feel like, oh, this is quite shit actually. I'm in third year and I'm just... <laughs> tuning into teams once a day <laughs> a bit crap. It, it's i feel like it's a bit i, I don't want to say soul destroying i think that's a bit extreme but it's it it, it takes away a lot of what the course should be yeah. when i last year obviously i was on the halfway through my masters when the <laughs> lockdown hit the first lockdown and then yeah. from that point on we did everything on teams and i remember in the first term we were in the classrooms the whole time and you know, we were bouncing ideas off each other. We were around this big table. It was just a ten of us in the masters, and we were all just like, you know, um, bat- it, it was just it was just a real good atmosphere. And there was lots of creativity bouncing around. But the moment you had to sit in front of a screen all day and do work by yourself and talk to people through a TV screen and not really like vibe with them, you know, like bounce up the creative ideas on each other, that's when I realised like this is the worst thing I've ever done in my life because. Yeah. Maybe it would have been different if I'd started the year doing blended learning and we just carried on the whole time and I would have been like, oh, this is all right, I guess. But the fact that I had a taste of what it could have been throughout the whole time and then it got robbed, I was like, this is fucking shit. (laughs) So shit. You've hit the nail on the head. That is the thing that is the biggest that I miss the most is just that bouncing, that creative space of just everybody having ideas, being able to quickly say if you're doing something wrong, if you're doing something right. I mean, I'm very lucky that mine is just writing, which obviously hasn't affected it that much. All <laughs> I laptop anyway. I mm. feel so sorry for the people that do practical courses in Falmouth or anywhere, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's definitely pretty hard to motivate yourself, isn't it? <laughs> sure. Yeah, big time. We, we've talked about a lot of deep things already, and I don't know if we... Sh- no, we definitely should. We definitely should talk about <laughs> We definitely should. I want to talk just briefly about, obviously, something I said I'd come back to, which is the go- you being female, me being male, and how yeah. we've been brought up completely separately. How do you feel like... This isn't written down, by the way. This is just straight, straight from my fucking memory. Um, <laughs> how, how do you feel like your your upbringing was in terms of society and you being a girl hard yeah <laughs> i yeah it's it's really uh, i don't know i know i'm not alone in feeling that it's only in very recent years definitely in, in my early 20s not at all in my teens that i yeah. felt strong and comfortable as a girl and proud to be a woman previously to that it was very confusing i i don't know i was uh, I was quite a weird person. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know. I've had a strange life in that I 
had a weird childhood that left me with some quite confusing things about being a girl, especially revolving around the topic of sex. I was very, I very much validated my entire worth on sexual attention, but I also had a massive fear of men. So (laughs) totally twisted in that I, in that department of just really, I I totally sexualized myself to the point of, well, just not even understanding. I, I, it's really sad, really. I'm sorry. I don't know if I'm being too. I don't know. Is there too much you can say? I don't know. No, this, this, this is a safe space. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't know how safe really, because I'm sure you know the whole world can listen to this if they wanted to. But you just say as much as you want to say. You don't have to say anything, and anything you're not comfortable with saying that you've already said, I will cut out. Simple as that. Well, yeah, just I think I I don't know. I think it's probably similar for a lot of girls, and I don't know what the it's be interesting to hear what the experience is as a man or a boy. But I definitely feel now saddened to think of my hypersexual, sexualized teenage self. That now I feel that it's only in my current relationship that I've experienced. proper understanding of what sex should be like and how it should feel and the beauty of it as an mm. intimate thing and previously I don't think I ever experienced that but obviously didn't know so it wasn't that I was missing out or it wasn't that I've had any horrible partners I've had lovely always had lovely boyfriends that have treated me with a lot of respect but I just didn't in myself have that I, w- I just totally took on board that sexualization that's put on women I think mm-hmm. but opposite to that I had a mum who is the complete opposite she is like not at all open to the idea of sex to free sex she that's been a huge issue in our relationship growing up because we've just had totally different um ideas of what was acceptable so it's really weird actually I don't really know it's taken me a long time to feel very comfortable in the fact that in my sexuality I think and in my my sexual activity and being a woman around that topic Mm. I think that's definitely been the hardest part of being a woman for me is the my relationship with sex and and how people view me in in, in a sexualized way or mm. yeah it's you see it's I can only imagine it's really difficult for for girls to be open to sex because I, I'm gonna use an example here I don't know if you've heard about the whole um Zoella thing recently in the news um, yeah that pissed me off because girls need to be taught and boys sorry not just girls boys and girls need to be taught in school that it is okay to have sex as long as they go through the a's b's and c's of what you know the 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 rules as such as you know just to be a good fucking person don't don't treat any girl like they're just a fucking tool girls aren't just a baby making machine the clitoris does fucking exist you know, yeah. like all, all this kind of stuff, you know, they don't get taught. And being a girl, being so openly sexual growing up, automatically you you are seen as a slut. But then the moment that you a girl is seen as, you know, not at all open with her sexuality, she is seen as uh, frigid or, you know, just yeah. like this pathetic thing. And I think all of those things are just completely wrong, completely fucking backwards. And sex education needs a complete rework into yeah. what should be taught to to people growing up you know yeah 100 percent. i think you've summed it up so well because it is that whole thing where girls are just so sexualized from such a young age and it's like what we're talking about when we look back at 
13, 14 year olds. And I remember the things that I was doing and the things that people were, the attention I was getting from older men and from older boys. And now I realized I was a child and that's so twisted. So you're like hyper-sexualized, but also not allowed to at all have any control over that side of yourself. It's like like you're not allowed any pleasure, but you also have to be super sexual. It's, it's, yeah, so twisted. It's such a, it's such a weird topic. Yeah. It is, and it, it, I know probably if maybe I was someone else, this might be an uncomfortable topic to talk about, but I think it's something that kind of needs to be talked about because you're not the only one that went through it. There's a lot of other people that went through similar things and have never really had a chance to talk about it. Yeah. And it's maybe affected who they are today, you know? I think, yeah. There well, needs to be a safe space for girls and boys to talk about these things, for sure. Yeah, 100%. And I think... Yeah, I think it's a really difficult thing, though, because I really, I don't know, it's a really difficult and complex conversation because it changes so much with the age. I think, Mm. without doubt, there is no way that teenage girls or boys should be sexualized or stripped of the rights to learn about their body because who the fuck are they kidding anyway? Everyone's doing it. They should... Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. it's so sad as well because I think a big part of me not really understanding what what real sex was meant to be like until this age was yeah. because I had no I was given all of these rules of what's right and what's wrong but I had no equally to having no liberation about the fact that sex can be open and you can have sex with multiple people and it doesn't make you a bad person I also was taught nothing about intimate sex and nothing about it was all just about safe sex very very vaguely safe sex and stis in my sexual education and like and baby what, making and that's about it <laughs> yeah and that's about it you don't get anything you don't get anything about love and you don't get anything about casual sex and that's like the two only things that you're doing that should matter so, exactly yeah, yeah i don't know but i but similarly uh, is that a word similarly yeah, <laughs> similar <is> word. <laughs> um i also think that now it's like the flip reversal in that we've got to an age now and we've got to a time now and it's so liberating and empowering and I'm so thankful that I am of a generation and an age where women are taking back their bodies and women do have a voice and do have control and do have a say but it's like a difficult thing in society and I know that it is just the way that it is with every topic it's the same with veganism religion whatever it is and it's the same with feminism that it always has to be one extreme or the other and I do fear now that we have gone kind of we're moving into a time where this movement of women being empowered and being sexual and not being shamed is so powerful and so important and it needs to happen but it has kind of uh, it has almost like this undertone where now it's like the opposite you're almost shamed as a woman if you don't want to be sexual if you don't want to be flaunting yourself everywhere if you don't want to kind of be this dominant person now you're like oh it's so confusing because I just feel oh I feel that maybe this is the problem that all of these issues are never they never are for everyone they're always even they try so hard to be they they can't be because it has to be extreme we know that through protests we know that through everything it has to be extreme for anyone to listen for anything to change but it's just a difficult in the transition period I think and I, I feel like we're going through one at the moment no I agree there there needs to be an equilibrium that hasn't been found yet we've gone past that point of an equilibrium and it's flipped the scale and now we need to 
slowly kind of inch our way back a bit so that it feels like it's it should be where it needs to be and mm -hmm. i say i only say that not because i am a feminist and i have any right to say anything you know to do with that because I'm, I'm a man <laughs> you yeah. know? but i i know that this kind of thing in some aspects fuels um toxic masculinity and yeah. it makes men feel very confused about where we stand or who we should be and not not the people in power that are the dickheads you know the ones that have made girls feel like this but the guys who have you know fully supported women and all that kind of stuff they sometimes it affects them to a point where you feel like where where do we stand now like you know like we we've we're not the dickheads we haven't done anything towards women yeah. yet women think that every man is to blame yeah. uh, and you know that that's that's the i i don't i can't speak from experience too much because I've got a wonderful, you know, other half in Alex, and she treats me just how I treat her. You know, we, we equal respect and equal love and equal passion. But yeah. there are some men who just feel so, I don't know, like lost, and they don't, they can't be themselves because there are these women that just these men just feel like they don't know who they are anymore and where they stand with a girl because of this toxic femininity, if if you want to say, you know. Yeah. And so yeah. It does need to be brought back a little bit, I think. No, that's not me trying to say anything about... I don't want people in my comments being like, you know, oh, you're so anti-feminist. <laughs> I second that 100%. And you actually mentioned something earlier when we were talking about our school experience. You said that um, it was a weird thing as, like, a guy growing up when older people, older guys gave girls attention and you, didn't, you weren't giving or getting attention and it was, like, a weird thing. And it's so crazy that that is the total opposite for girls and we get all this unwanted attention but the exact same experience is happening to boys and even though they're not getting the attention they're also equally as confused as to what they should or shouldn't be doing yeah uh, we're all just it, fucking confused really that's the end of the day yeah <laughs> i think you've, yeah i think you've really i know i totally second that and i don't think that you uh, that's the thing isn't it you feel that you can't say anything and honestly it's bad enough for you being a man trying to have a conversation about feminism but it's even weirder being a woman and being judged for what you say about being a woman that's like such a twisted place that we've got very to twisted I no i completely agree because it's like if you're not this crazy dominant free liberal person and if you do want to be in a relationship and you do want to be a little bit more reserved then now you're no longer as good of a feminist as you were it's just like that's mm. oh i don't know i think it's a really difficult thing at the end of the day I think what people fail to realise is that you're your own person and you're allowed to think the things that you do within reason. You know, don't think that mass genocide is like good, you know, for instance, that kind of thing. But you're allowed to you're allowed to have your own thoughts and you're allowed to, you know, for instance, you're allowed to, you, Bonnie, are allowed to be a Christian. You're allowed to be a feminist and you're allowed to be super empowered by your femininity and your sexuality. And that is absolutely OK. And no one should tell you otherwise. And it's the same for me. I... I, you know, I, I'm allowed to be in uh, a committed relationship with a beautiful girl and I'm allowed to be a Christian and I'm allowed to be, you know, talking to you about feminism. Um, and that's OK, as, as long as we understand the boundaries, you know, about what is right or wrong. At the end of the day, who 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 should be able to judge us and why should we care? <laughs> it's so difficult, isn't it? Because I can totally understand why people do get aggravated and passionate about something they believe in and I understand why it's, it has of course been so important that people do dedicate their lives fired with that fueled with that kind of anger to make change and without them we wouldn't be where we are now being able mm -hmm. to discuss it so openly but 
oh, it's just hard. I just, I think the main ingredient that doesn't sit right with me that I feel is always present in these kind of topics, broader than feminism and everything, is always shame. And if mm. somebody, if one group is shaming another group, regardless of who's right or wrong, uh, it just doesn't ever work. It's not productive and it's never going to change and it's never going to be all inclusive. And I, I think that's why we're going wrong with a lot of things. Too right. Yeah, that's I agree. Oh, no, I agree, man. I mean, harmony is such a a hard thing to attain in today's day and age of everyone speaking their own options, but everyone being so adamant that they're right and everyone else is wrong. It's yeah, the but... hardest thing to achieve is unity. But at the end of the day, as I'm sure we can learn being Christians, uh, you know, unity is essential in us being the best that we can be. Yeah. You know? Mm. Yeah. It's as simple as that, really, but it's just so hard to attain. Yeah, it's so hard. But, um, yeah, it is really hard. What's What's your opinion about it, if you feel comfortable talking about it? I know it's so difficult, isn't it, to to feel that you can be open, and I obviously can't speak for from a male perspective because, I, of course, I'm a woman, but <laughs> how society is at the moment, I suppose. I have, I have lots of... <laughs> I have lots of thoughts on how society is. I don't have many thoughts on how feminism is because I tend to keep myself away from that since I myself am not, you know, involved in that specific um, movement. Yeah. But society in general, I think only within the past year since I've done my MA, have I really opened my mind to how society is. And yeah. um, before that, I wouldn't, I've only really been checking up with the news and stuff within the like, last two years. Before that, I never really wanted to involve myself in politics or government news or anything like that because I just thought pricks will be pricks. You know, that was my that was my mindset. Like, and, and to be fair, my mindset on that still hasn't changed. Yeah. <laughs> like, people in power are most likely always going to be dickheads. It doesn't matter who they are. They're always going to have this one little thing about them that affects society in the wrong way. So that that's just how my head is, is is set, you know. And until fucking someone really decent comes along, that's just my view on politics. Yeah. But society in general, social media is such a a powerful influence that I don't think we're ever gonna reach a stage where it won't it won't be anymore. It's always going to be the mass decider on on where society goes now. Yeah, um, Instagram. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, well, not so much Facebook, basically Instagram and Twitter, like the main, you know, um, perpetrators here of ha where our society goes to. It's it, it's just we, we are the social media generation and everyone most probably after us, our kids and their kids are probably also going to be the social media generation. And that scares me because of like your project that you were doing on Instagram. It, it's it's scary to see where it's going to lead us because of how dissociated we all seem from each other and yeah. obviously like all I want for people is to feel comfortable and united and harmonized together and I think social media does a really bad job of doing that yeah 100% I couldn't agree more <laughs> so society scares me honestly yeah. because all I want is for people to have the same mindset of just like don't be a prick support one another and just be a general general good person you know just and it, it, it's but I know this is gonna maybe go down wrong with some people but like how can you not be a good person how are you wired in such a way that you can't be a good person what's so hard about being a good person 
you know yeah. and yeah, yeah ba- baffles me it really does that i'm not gonna go any further into that because i, I honestly i could i could talk forever but uh, that's where i stand yeah. on society for, for sure it is really hard isn't it and um, and the social media addition to it just oh i don't even know what kind Toxic. of layer yeah i'm actually writing my dissertation about this kind of broad topic like it, it goes into this of just the delusion of how dishonest we are as a society and how we we still have this perception of honesty and we don't realize that our entire lives are built on a, such a dishonest system and we yeah. uh, i don't know like oh, it's just mad isn't it you just think how are people yeah how are we all so hooked into this i can't even oh it's scary it's scary to even, i i found this year especially so overwhelming with everything that's happened i'm sure everybody has and i'm so thankful and lucky that i've been able to just be overwhelmed by it and I'm aware of that but mm. it's, it's crazy like everything is so raw and it's very scary it's very scary I think big time no big time um just being on Instagram all the time like you say and seeing things um that you know aren't true that you know it's just an exaggeration of life as such you know and it's just like why are people doing this why are people trying to be someone that they're not or trying to flex or trying to get this clout that you know isn't isn't really there like who are they trying to impress exactly like just try and be happy yourself and try and find some solace in the bleak times that are ahead (laughs) it's so yeah I think that of the polls that I did in that little questionnaire the one that moved me the most and really like shocked me was the one of asking if people preferred their real self or their social media self and I was so shocked by how many people said their social media self I just thought that was so really it was that it was still a bigger percentage that said real self but the fact that anyone even said social self I was just like fuck how how are we in a in a place now where that's even something to consider that this tiny fraction of your life that you put on social media is more appealing than your entire everyday it's so sad <laughs> isn't it man i i watched um there's this new netflix film called the dig and it's about um this excavator who goes to uh, i think it's in surrey or something and he goes to excavate this um what is it it's like an anglo-saxon ship it's it's all very it's it's, it's a nice watch and everything but but the underlying thing that i got out of it was like this was months before world war ii started like the era that it's set in based on true story and people the the things that they're doing in the background you know like how productive they are how communal they are it it's like we've been robbed of that 60 70 years later eight years later we've all been robbed of that because of social media it's like we're not as close as we were a, a century ago even though it was a very fucked time to live a century ago they were still closer then than we are now because we are so dissociated with life because of social media. Is that not fucked that they were closer in times of war than we are today? It's so fucked. I think it's that massive illusion that we think we know things. We think we know people. We think we know the truth about the news. We think we know, we think we know all of these things that we just don't know. Well, like yeah. you can't know anything unless you really experience it and live it. And social mm-hmm. media doesn't allow that. I don't, I don't think anyway. No. And it, it's sad to think that anybody does really believe they know a person just through what they post on social media or, or sure. knows a topic just from reading it on a story. It's just crazy that we've got ourselves into that place of, oh, I don't even know. You could just, we could talk for about this for a whole two hours, I feel like. <laughs> we have, been, we've already been talking for about two hours. 
god. Is that not mad? Like I yeah. Mad. I'm sure once I come back to this, I'll, I'm gonna do ten episodes a season, I think. And once I come back to season two, I'll probably ask for us to do this again because I feel like <laughs> this is the best conversation I've had so far in terms of insight. Yeah, this so. has been so stimulating. It's so nice to I feel like there's so many more topics we could cover. <laughs> there is. I mean shit. Hang on. I've done one. I, I've only talked about two of my topics with you. Really? What were I've the other two? I've got nine. I've got nine topics here, and I've only talked about two with you. We've been talking for two hours. Oh my gosh. There's only going to be like two interludes in this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I mean, I, I do want to. I, I want to finish every episode with the topic of um, fear. Okay. So for you, what is your fears of the the present and the future? And you can also talk about phobias if you want to, because I know Jake, obviously, like, he, he was just like, I'm scared of moths. But, you know, which obviously isn't where I was going with that. But if you want to talk about phobias as well, like, uh, you, know, you know I'm going with that when I say fears of the past and the present and the future, whatever. Like, just, yeah, expand on that. Yeah. Um, my biggest fear of the past, I think I very, very briefly touched on that, and I can confirm it is no longer a fear, but it was definitely the hardest thing to get over was my fear of men and everything to do with men and um that kind of thing i won't even bother going too far into that because i just feel like that could be another complex conversation <laughs> um my fear of the present is actually fear <laughs> because, really? and i've that's only been quite recently well i guess that makes sense because it's the present but i found like since the pandemic I've really realised that I need a lot of stability in my life, I think. And I have, have always been quite an independent person and I am quite a stable person now by myself. But I've realised I really thrived off little social encounters or just having some sort of social stability in my life. And I've found that quite a, in quite a lot of days I've been more scared than I've ever been. Just a, not of anything in particular, just I have this feeling of fear I can't really explain it. It's almost like a tiny little bit of anxiety, but it doesn't feel like anxiety like I've ever experienced it. It's like, it's like fear. Like I'll be, I will literally be scared. So some nights I can't sleep or some days I lock all the doors and I feel really weird in my house. It's so weird because I've never had that before. And I'm, I feel like I'm stuck in this weird loop where I've got two minds and one of them is, is scared and one of them so badly doesn't want to be scared that I'm like <laughs> have a fear now of wasting all my days being scared. Scared, yeah. It's so weird. A vicious so, cycle. Yeah. Yeah, it's really strange. So I hope that that dies down, and I think it's just an effect of going crib crazy. I guess <laughs> everyone's probably had some sort of weird things happen to them in this weird year, but um, yeah. Yeah. So that's probably one of my fears that I have at the moment that I I don't want to waste my time being worried or scared of stuff mm -hmm. for the future i think probably my fear my only fear for the future is that i will ever have something that i regret i really hope that i don't regret something and i don't mean that in the term of regretting not doing something i don't mm -hmm. feel that very much i feel like if i didn't want to do it in the moment i won't regret it because mm -hmm. <laughs> there's obviously but a reason I, you didn't want to do that so yeah, why yeah. Regret it? yeah i feel like I'm, I'm i have quite a logical view on regret but i mm. but i do fear that there will be something that i've done that i regret or something that i 
I don't know. I can't really explain it. I mean, again, I think it's quite complex and I'm not going to start another conversation. <laughs> That'll be for next time, for sure. <laughs> yeah. But it's an interesting one, fear. I don't know. Yeah. What about you? Do you know? I, one of my fears, I had a dream the other night that I got sent back in time six years ago, it's 2015, um, which would be around the time I was in my second year of college and I was applying for universities. I had a dream that I got sent back to my classroom uh, six years ago. And instead of going back six years in myself, I retained everything, my age, my memories from oh. six years prior. No, sorry, six years in the future. Yeah. Um, but what terrified me the most about that dream was that Alex wasn't with me. Wow. And so, but even if I had, you know, made it my mission to, to, you know, get in the car, get on a boat off the Isle of Wight and drive to her house, yeah. she wouldn't know who I was because this was six years ago. Wow. So I would, so, that, so then this dream involved me going through a mental process of thinking, I have to do everything exactly the same for the next four years for me to end up back to where Alex is. Oh my gosh, that is literally terrifying. What yeah. And and then I thought, but even when I do get to that stage, I'm going to be 28 and uh, Alex will be 22, you know, and like it, I remember just waking up feeling like it was the most real dream ever. And I was, I like fucking held her so close to me and I was like, I never want to fucking lose you like ever. And so I think my biggest fear is losing Alex in wow. any way, shape or form. You know? That's so beautiful. And that's really interesting, actually, because as we've been speaking about love and, and sex and all those things, and I, I feel the same with the, my boyfriend who I'm with now, I feel so certain for the first time that this is a massive part of my future. And it's really weird because I don't know if this is the same for you, but any relationships or things that I had when I was younger and didn't have that same connection to intimacy and love and who I was and what I wanted mm. I my experience of dependency was always so toxic like if I was ever dependent on a boy it was never good but yeah. now in the relationship I'm in now and the support system and how positive it is I've I like uncovered a whole new understanding of dependency and it's really nice and it just made me think of it when you said that because I feel the same but it's like crazy isn't it because you might listen to that and be like oh no that's like <laughs> not what you want, but that is exactly what you want I think isn't it it is exactly what you want I think what I remember always talking to Alex about this like why what what reason do we even get with people if not just for sexual gratification because surely to get with someone and have a relationship with them is to end up happy with them and to spend the rest yeah. of your life with them why do we do that if that's not our own if that's not our end goal with anybody else you know yeah it's surely the only reason you get with someone is purely for sexual gratification and nothing else if yeah. because that should be the end goal for everybody you know to get with someone and be happy with them and like kind of just be a pair together yeah 100%. i don't know that's that's my mindset anyway yeah no i agree definitely i think yeah i don't and know we, we as humans are like we're a we're a sociable bunch you know we need to be around others to kind of feel complete yeah. and you know i'm sure there are some people who are in um what's the word is it polyamorous is that the word yeah. when you're in a, three people or more is that is that the word yeah. um yeah i'm sure there are some people who feel gratification in that you know and fair enough but at the end of the day 
we're not meant to be singular creatures. Like, we're not meant to be by ourselves, not really. Like, sure, mm-hmm. you can say you're all right with it, but we're meant to be sociable creatures who are around others and so we can share feelings with each other and whatever. That's how I really feel. And wow, It's so interesting. You should speak to... Because I just feel that me and you have maybe quite a similar perspective on this. So I would be really intrigued to see how somebody else feels because, I don't know, I don't know how you feel, but I think a massive part of why I'm so deeply connected when I'm in a relationship and why I really value that connection in my life I, I've I really want to be in a relationship there's no part of me that thinks I'd rather be whatever would be yeah mm-hmm. and I think that it's actually weirdly because I am so social I, it, I don't know if you feel this but in some weird way I've got so many friends and so many people always around me that I'm actually quite lonely in a weird way of that yeah. the more support system that I'm that I have in a relationship and I think like I'd be intrigued to see if people don't want that in a relationship they must feel that surely from elsewhere otherwise like you say they would be longing for that surely mm-hmm. that, it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me that you would live life not wanting that mm. so I would be intrigued if someone gets that elsewhere because I definitely don't <laughs> <laughs> no I, I actually agree that would be really cool uh, what would be really interesting to hear about other people's perspective on the topic but um I mm. being very sociable throughout my life and having the amount of friends that I did I never really, there were only a few people I could sit down and be honest with. And even then, you know, about my feelings and about how I feel. And even then it wasn't everything because one, I was probably unintentionally holding it back from myself because I didn't know how to talk about the matter. And two, I was too busy trying to sort everyone else's problems out and trying to be the good friend and trying to be, you know, and trying to make everybody else happy that I didn't give myself enough attention. The moment Alex came around and was really the first time I could sit down and like talk about myself whilst also helping her with her problems. You know, we could help each other out. That's the first time I've ever done that in a relationship where we actually like help each other out and morally support each other whilst being in love. And I think that's very important in a, in a, in a relationship that you want to work. 100%. I feel exactly the same in my current relationship. It's the first time I've had that total equality that, Mm. you know you are supported and you know you can be supportive but like there's no one person's worse off one person's better off I guess that like tiny little bubble of your relationship and your love is why it's so important and so beautiful in our lives is because that's what we want the entire yeah too right like it's crazy our friendships aren't like that but that is just the way life is isn't it so it's, Mm -hmm. it's weird that that's so rare to find that but yeah how lucky we are that we both yeah (laughs) <laughs> too right yeah really i, I mean yeah we're, we're blessed to, to be able to experience those feelings 100 percent, bonnie yeah. i am going to wrap it up there because if we carry on talking people aren't <laughs> going to listen any longer you know okay. <laughs> i will i will make sure to have you on uh season two though for sure because this has been an amazing episode honestly so th- yeah. thanks for your time Thank you so much for inviting me on. It's been so fun and so many stimulating conversations. And if you have to cut anything out, please cut out the first story. <laughs> I want to keep that. That was good. I like that. Yeah. Anyways, thank you so much. It's really been an enjoyable evening. And good luck with the editing process. <laughs> yeah, I've got two episodes to edit now. So good luck to me doing that in two days. So yeah, let's, let's yeah. get to it. <laughs> Bless you, man. Have a good rest of the evening. Yeah, you too.